Welcome to Podcast Hackers, the show for podcasters by podcasters. Here, each episode, you'll hear from the best and brightest podcasters and learn how they're growing their audience, monetizing their shows, and making an impact through podcasting. And now your host, Craig Hewitt. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Podcast Hackers. I'm your host, Craig Hewitt. Uh, This episode, after a a brief hiatus, we're back with an excerpt from a recent webinar we did. The team at Castos has been doing what we call office hours, where we present a a bit of information about a particular topic around podcasting and then answer questions from our customers and from the podcasting community at large. Uh, These webinars are open to everyone. So if you're interested, come get on the email list at castos.com. We're holding these every week. Currently, they're Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And this is the first of our webinar series of office hours. So I hope you enjoy. And if you have any questions or comments, shoot us a message. Hello at castos.com. Thanks. Hey there, and welcome to uh, podcast office hours by here, the team at Castos. We're going to get started here in just a few minutes. Still some folks coming in. For those of you who are already on the line, if you could do two things. One is say hi. So in the chat, just say hi and where you're calling in from. I guess calling in from is like a radio thing, but where you're signing in from. And if you haven't already, we have a poll going just to learn a little more about where folks are kind of in their podcasting journey. So, you know, you're you're thinking about starting, you're pretty much ready, but need a little, a little help and have some questions, or you're already a pro and I'm jealous. <laughs> so if you could do those two things, just come in and say hi in the chat and then kind of let us know where you are uh, in, your, in your podcasting journey in the poll at the bottom of the screen. So hi to JD, Brian and Brian, very cool. Thanks for joining us. The format today uh, is gonna be about 15 or 20 minutes of, of a presentation. We're gonna talk about mic technique and audio and things like that, because I think it's kind of the cornerstone of what makes a really good podcast. If you've been podcasting already, you probably will learn a few things, hopefully. And if you're just starting out, you definitely will learn a few things that will set you kind of on the right path towards creating good audio, which is you know essential, I think, for, for creating a good podcast. For those folks who have just come in in the last few minutes, if you could please say hi in the chat. Oh, Sarah on vacation. I'm jealous. Very cool. Uh, Yeah, so hop into the chat, say hi, and kind of where you're signing in from. And if you could please, uh, in the poll, just let us know kind of where you are on your podcasting journey, thinking about it, getting started or already started. Please just let us know there. And we'll get going on the kind of meat of the content here in just a few minutes. We'll let the folks who are just coming in. Uh, finish kind of getting settled and everything, get a coffee, get a water. California, very cool. Lived in San Diego for four years and sometimes wonder why I, why I ever left because it's just a wonderful place. Raj, hi from New York and Michigan. Very cool. One thing I hadn't mentioned yet is we are definitely going to do Q&A. That's kind of the whole point of, of the office hours. Yeah, I'll talk for about 15 or 20 minutes just about kind of recording good audio. And then we'll have kind of open mic question and answer. If you could submit your question in the question area below and not in the chat, it will help Denise and I. And Sorry. Hi, Denise. This is Denise from our team. Say hi. Hi, everyone. Denise will be in charge of the questions. And so if you could just pop your question in the question area below and we'll get to those kind of in order. So we're not going to be terribly rigid about it, but that's how, if we can, we'd like to try to organize things. Still have a few more folks coming in, so we'll give it another minute or so and then get going. Brian, if you're not seeing the poll, if you can scroll down, uh, it should be there below, like 
the slides and my beautiful face. If you're not seeing it, that's, uh, that's where it is. Yep, I uh, <laughs> I ran into the same problem. Denny said to squirt <laughs> me away there. Awesome, cool. Okay, so we'll go ahead and get started a couple minutes after the hour here. So first of all, welcome. Thanks everyone for coming into our first office hours. Uh, really excited that everyone is here. This is a really cool format, I think, for us to be able to share a little bit of what we know with with you. So you are our customers or people that are looking to try Castos or, uh, or maybe already have and I just have some questions. Uh, and the goal here really is to make everyone a better podcaster. And that includes myself. I'm a podcaster. I've been podcasting for like four and a half years and I'm learning something new all the time. And so hopefully uh, I can share a little bit of what I know and in the presentation part. And then as we open it up to Q&A, it's really just a community uh, kind of discussion is the goal. So I'm going to present a little bit about recording good audio, because I think the quickest way to lose listeners is to have crappy audio. And it's like this minimum barrier to entry. So you don't have to sound like NPR or Gimlet, but you can't be doing it in your car as you're driving down the interstate or something like that, right? So you have to have just barely good enough audio to where you won't lose listeners. Everything above that, I think, is is really good and kind of icing on the cake. But if you don't have at least decent sounding audio, you're going to lose listeners. Um, so we're going to talk about that. And this is one of those things where like an ounce of prevention is a pound of result in the end. Getting good audio, being in the proper place, having things set up right is basically all you need to do. So we're going to talk through those things and then we'll have kind of open Q&A. Uh, and again, if you have questions, scroll down on the screen there and pop your question in the question area. There's also chat if you have clarifications or kind of want to chat through what I'm what I'm going through. And Denise, I will leave it up to you to interrupt me if there are chat questions that I need to stop for because I've closed my chat window for the moment so I can look at my slides. You got it. Date here. Cool. So recording great sounding audio, and it really is these three things. So gear, so that's the equipment, the setup, how you have it set up, and technique, uh, and particularly mic technique, and we'll talk about that specifically, are all things that go into making your podcast sound what I call professional grade. And as you mentioned, I think a great podcast starts with great sounding audio. If you don't have it, you won't be successful. If you have great sounding audio, then it's up to you to create really interesting content and, and engage with your audience and learn how to market and things like that. But you can't do any of that really effectively if you don't have really good audio. And the first one that everyone asks about, and rightfully so, because it is kind of the thing you have to get right, is podcasting microphones. And when it comes to microphones for podcasting specifically, you really have you have a few different decisions to make. Uh, but one of them is the the connection type. So for most of us, your your microphone will plug into your computer or into a recording box of some sort. And that type of connection is going to be either an XLR or a USB. And so we know both of these things. An XLR is things that like musicians use when they're uh, in a recording studio or on stage. This is kind of like professional grade stuff. And it requires a piece of equipment that the, the microphone would plug into, and then that would plug into the recording thing, which for most of us is our computer. A USB mic, the handy thing about it is it plugs right into your computer. There's no extra gear. Some people say the, the quality is lacking a little bit with the USB mic compared to an XLR. I probably wouldn't disagree with that, but the trade-off is simplicity, sometimes price, and just not overcomplicating things. So that's a decision to make. There's not a right or wrong answer here. And the two microphone suggestions we'll make is one of each of them. So that's just something to be aware of. And we'll kind of dive right into like the microphone that we suggest for most all people. When I'm podcasting, this is the microphone I use. I'm using a headset right now for folks who can't see me just because I, I like to be able to have 
you know, full visualization of the, the computer and don't want the mic in front of my face while I'm doing a webinar. But this is the microphone I use when I'm podcasting. It's about $65 on Amazon. It is a dynamic microphone as opposed to a condenser. And that's a really in-depth technical kind of like audio engineering physics discussion. But but the simple version is you want a dynamic mic. They're more forgiving. They're less setup and tuning that you have to do. So the Audio-Technica ATR2100 is a USB mic. It plugs right into your computer. It's relatively inexpensive. It's really forgiving. You can be in a room with the air conditioning on or the kids a couple of rooms down banging on the wall or something like that, and it's going to not pick up all of this stuff. The one downside I would have is because it's only a USB mic and it's not powered or amplified by something like a preamp, it is not a very loud mic. So you have to have it right up to your face. You have to have the input volume turned all the way up on your computer for it to be kind of an acceptable input level. And we'll talk about those kinds of things here in just a minute. Uh, Craig, if I can uh, interject, the, JD had a thought about USB mics saying that he had some trouble with noise from his computer fan. How have you mitigated that with your mic? Yep. Cool. So JD, I haven't had that issue. So I can't say, I think, yeah, as Brian is saying, like moving further away from the, the source, of the noise obviously is like the easiest thing. It, it probably depends on kind of what kind of computer you have. If you have a laptop or a desktop. I can't say, but as you're talking about also an XLR mic plugging into something like a preamp is just going to give you more technology and filtering around the sound that that microphone is picking up. So you may be a way to think about it is like a USB mic is the simple and easiest way to do it. It might not be overall the best, but it, for folks who are kind of just getting started, it, you know, maybe an easier way and like one less hurdle to come over. When you go to something like an XLR there and the preamp, there's a lot more bells and whistles and, and dials you can you can adjust to avoid things like that. Brian had a great point that the ATR2100 is either or both USB and XLR. I use it as a USB mic. I think most people probably do just because they want the simplicity of plugging it right into their computer. But you can plug both of these into like any kind of portable voice recorder, like a Zoom portable voice recorder. So good kind of questions and clarifications there for both of you. The next mic that we recommend and see a lot of people being really successful with is the Shure SM7B. It is only an XLR mic, so you will have to plug into a preamp. It is a dynamic mic also costs about $400 plus the preamp, which is like another $100. And from what I've seen, this is kind of like the go-to middle to higher end mic. And when you get to something like this, it just gives you a little more depth of voice and a little more quality to, to your recordings. I'll like summarize all of this, and I certainly don't know everything, but I'll summarize all of this with saying you don't have to have this mic to be a successful podcaster. I know someone that runs a podcast that gets about 30,000 downloads an episode and uses this headset mic. So I think folks who are just getting started, don't get tripped up on this. Don't say, I'm not going to podcast because I can't afford a $500 podcasting rig. If you can afford a $65 mic, it's going to get you a lot further down the road in terms of audio quality. If you want to geek out and go all in on the best absolute thing, this is where I would go, but that's kind of my two cents on an entry-level mic that'll get you started and a really good mic and a really good setup for, for your podcast. There is some other additional gear that kicks it up a notch, right? So it's, it takes like your audio to the next level. So just the mic by itself is good. It's much better than using your Apple earbuds or certainly like the computer speaker to record your audio. Just using a high quality podcasting microphone is going to get you like 80% of the way there. And these two other things will get you like 90 plus percent of the way to where you want to be in terms of audio quality. And I have this picture in here because it encapsulates 
almost all of the things that we want to buy and have in our podcasting setup. And so the first one, I'm not sure folks can see my mouse. I don't think they can. So the first thing is a pop filter. Uh, and the pop filter is this piece that's, it's like a screen, basically like a soft screen that's sitting between between this lady's mouth and the microphone. And the purpose of a pop filter is reduce the, they call it plosives in the audio engineering world. Plosives are those really loud P and T sounds when you word, when you say words like plosive. So this is just like a mechanical dampening thing that will just eliminate the introduction of some of those really loud and hard to edit out sounds later. The second one is a boom mount. So this is the stand on the very right side of this image. Usually attaches to like the desk or table that you're podcasting at and has this articulating arm that gets the microphone in exactly the right spot for you. Along with that, so the articulating arm, the boom mount attaches to the shock mount, which is so that when you cross your legs under the table and hit the table in the middle of the recording session, that transfer of kind of mechanical energy doesn't go all the way up into the mic. So the mic with the shock mount is kind of sitting in this spring or cushion, if you will. And it's kind of suspended mechanically from the, the arm that is attached to the desk. Headphones, because you want to be able to hear either what you're saying to hear how you sound or to hear how your guest or what your guest is saying if you're doing like a remote interview. And the last thing is room setup. And we can go a long way with this, but just to say that like, the best possible place to record is in a small room with a lot of stuff in it, like a big couch or a bed. A lot of people that are professional voiceovers artists do it in their closet because it's a small space. There's a lot of really soft stuff around to dampen all the reverberations. The worst place is like a conference room. So a big space, a lot of hard surfaces to where noise just reverberates endlessly. So just as you're thinking about your room and your recording environment, Try to go more on the side of podcasting in a closet and less on the side of podcasting in a big conference room, and you'll you'll see better results with that. Recording and editing audio, I have maybe more suggestions here than I would like, but it really breaks down into two categories. One is in-person. So if I was recording this right now, it would just be in-person. I'm not calling someone that's across the country in another state or something like that. And the tools for this, I would list out maybe in this order. Audacity is a free open source and cross-platform tool, so you can use it on Windows or Mac. It's also a pretty popular editing tool. So if you want to just use that for both, that's cool. QuickTime on a Mac comes with all Macs, and it's a really simple audio recording tool. You can record video with it as well. And then if you want to go kind of professional grade, something like Adobe Audition is a, it's used by a lot of professional audio engineers. It has a ton of bells and whistles and according to some is really complicated to use. But again, if you're going, trying to go really kind of on the professional side of things, it might be worth looking into. On the remote side, say you're calling someone in another state or another country and you want to be able to record that conversation. The big thing with remote recordings is as much as possible trying to eliminate the introduction of like error and distortion and stuff like that from internet latency, dropout, and bad internet connections. So the two tools at the top here do that by recording your conversations on your computer and on your guest computer, and then they upload those to something like Dropbox. So Zencaster and Squadcast. Squadcast are a relatively new player in the space, but from what I hear is doing a really, really good job. It's in the browser like this, and then you record the conversation. It records your conversation on your computer and your guest conversation on, on their computer. So there's no dependence on the internet to have a good connection and not have dropout and things like that. I think both of these have free and paid tiers. And then another popular tool that 
I, I see a lot of folks use is Zoom. Uh, so we use Zoom a lot in our business. I use Zoom for podcasting some. And Zoom is a really great conferencing tool. The problem with Zoom for podcasting that I have is it records a pretty low quality audio file. But it does, and what all of these tools do is it has the ability to record separate channels. And that's really the thing that you, and I say have to have, but you should have a channel or a recording and a file for each person on the call. And the thing with this in post-production is if you have this, then the volume is lower on my side and it's higher on Denise's side. We can even those out to where everything sounds about the same. Or if the dog is barking on Denise's side while I'm talking, we can just cut that out and not have to compromise you know, my side of the conversation. So if you have everything jammed into one file, it makes that really, really hard. If you have separate files then you can treat them independently and it makes editing afterwards a ton easier. So if you're not doing that, that's like the one thing I would absolutely do, no matter what tool you use to achieve that. Um, uh, interjecting for the chat here, um, it seems a few people here are using a few different softwares to record their episodes. So obviously there are a few different options for people to, to research and check out. So these are not the only ones you can utilize. Yep. Awesome. And thanks everyone for the suggestions in here again. I'm absolutely, uh, I have been podcasting a while, but I don't know everything. And so it's awesome to hear what other folks are doing here. And I think the thing with a lot of this is kind of getting the essence of what we're trying to do, like recording multiple channels. However you accomplish that is maybe not as important as just recording multiple channels so that you can treat that all independently later. The one thing around kind of mic technique and actually recording is setting the proper volume levels. And again, this is going to make your life a lot easier when you get to post-production. And this is a screenshot from Audacity. And you can see the green bar at the top here. And what you really want is when you're talking, you wanna be in the green. You wanna get into the yellow occasionally, like when you're really excited and you're saying something really loud, maybe a little bit of yellow. But what you don't want is to get up to the red, which is the part kind of to the right here, which is where clipping occurs. And clipping is one of the few things that there's really no solution for. And so your voice will sound really distorted because when it's clipped, basically all of that sound above the clipping level is just gone. So the tool they're using to record just can't capture those sound waves. And it just says, okay, this is as loud as I can go. So this is kind of optimized by adjusting the input level of your microphone on your computer or in the recording device to where when you're talking, you're in the green, you're not getting into the yellow, but occasionally, and you're never in the red. So this is a simplified version of this, but this is something to experiment with, maybe learn more about, because if you get this right and you have a good mic, again, you're at least 80% 80, 80 of the way there. So what is good mic technique? If you have a microphone kind of like this guy. Uh, so this, this kid is hilarious. I think we've seen this image before, but the kid here is really doing a lot of things right. The microphone is at about the vertical level of his mouth. He's relatively close to the microphone and he's in a comfortable position. So you want to be relatively close to the microphone so that if, the, say, the microphone was all the way across the room, you would have to turn up the input volume a lot on the mic, and all that would do is introduce all of the ambient noise in the room. If you have it really close to your mouth, it probably would sound muffled. So, you know, a lot of people say a fist width away, a couple inches away, is a good distance from your mouth for the microphone to sit. And for most people, that seems really weird. It seems like you're eating the microphone, but that's kind of the way to go. So just to recap, you know, I think the first and most important thing is to get a high quality, whatever that means, 
to you, dynamic microphone. A dynamic microphone is, again, just more forgiving in most situations. Ensure that your uh, recording environment is set up properly. You're in a quiet room. The door is closed. The windows are closed. Uh, the kids aren't you know, crying down the hall or something like that. If you can record locally, and I should have put in here, record on separate channels for each person on the call. If you're doing a remote interview, remember what good mic technique is. So the microphone is about the vertical level of your mouth. It's relatively close. You're in a comfortable position and you have a pop filter. And then, of course, like, you know, it's podcasting, right? So relax and have fun. We can edit out most of this later in post-production, right? But I wanted to kind of run through these things. These are the things I've learned and we've taught people over the years to, to kind of get started on the right path with recording good audio. And so now kind of we'll roll into the, the question and answer part of things. And I just had a couple of suggestions around kind of what kinds of questions we're, we're hoping to chat about. Uh, this is certainly not an exclusive list. If there are things that are not covered here that you want to talk about, that's great. But, you know, I think the what Denise and I hoped to, to be able to chat with everybody about is, you know, kind of what do you need help with? What are you curious about? What have you been struggling with? Or what have you done lately that's really working and you want to kind of explore it more? So these kind of topics are, like I said, certainly not exclusive, but maybe an, a couple of ideas for folks who have some questions and are coming in to, to kind of learn more about things. And with that, we will open it up to questions. So I've been grabbing them from the questions box down below and have them in a quick order kind of based on your presentation. And then we can move into the ones that are outside of recording and gear. Uh, so Matt asks, is it redundant to use a windsock and a pop filter? I, yeah, probably. I don't know that it would be bad. That's why I was hesitating. I don't, I don't know that it would be detrimental. And, and so Matt, just to confirm, like a windsock is the thing that sits on top, like over the microphone, like a, a reporter would use. I know a lot of people use a windsock or a little foam thing instead of a pop filter. I think it's probably just personal preference. I don't know that it would hurt anything. Uh, so Brian, yep, thanks for chiming in there. He says, yes, it would be redundant, but won't hurt the recording. The whole point of this is to reduce those plosives or you know, wind sound or something in the room. Great. Matt also has a question about pointing the mic at your mouth or up to the ceiling. He's seen both. Yep. So that will definitely change the sound of your voice. But the one thing that I know is if you have a very deep voice to point the microphone up at your mouth, kind of reduces the depth and the baritone sound of your voice. I, I think most people put it pretty much straight at their mouth and maybe a little bit off to the side uh, or a little bit from the, from the bottom. I, I would say this is probably something to experiment with. I don't know that I have like a, a really strong conviction either way. And if anybody else has opinions or things they've experimented with that has worked or not worked in a different situations. I'd love to hear about that. We also had a question from the chat about using both Zencaster and Squadcast. I know you mentioned Squadcast was kind of new on the scene. We're curious about any opinions about which might be better or more reliable. I don't have an opinion. No, I, I don't have an opinion. I can say I know Zencaster has been out for a while. I have used it. I don't use it on a regular basis because I've had some issues with it. And this is not a slam at them. And they're trying to tackle a very complicated issue. And the guys at Squadcast are, are kind of doing the same thing. I hear from folks who have used Squadcast that it is a really nice solution. So I would probably try both and see which one you like best. I have not tried Squadcast, but it's kind of on my list. I'm going to chime in here. Brian Malosh in the, in the chat is talking about the Yeti. I almost included a slide here with a big X over the Yeti because we see more issues around bad sounding audio that come from the blue Yeti mic than anything else. And as Brian is saying, it's a condenser mic, so it picks up a lot of stuff in the room. And there's ways around this. 
but a lot of that has to do with kind of tuning the settings of the microphone and things like that. Unless you really know what you're doing and you're in a really great recording environment like a, a sound studio, don't use the Yeti. I know it's a really popular podcasting mic. Honestly, I don't know why for most people. Again, if you're in a really high quality place, then it's a really good mic. But there's a lot of other good mics that are not as sensitive as the Yeti. So if you have one, that's cool. If you have one, I would put it in the closet and go buy an Audio-Technica ATR2100 just because it will make everything easier for you. I've been podcasting with the same Audio-Technica mic for four years and it still sounds great. Boy, I think it sounds great. Uh, so Raj, I guess that kind of answered your question. Yes, the Blue Yeti is overrated. It's not overrated. It's just not the right tool for the job. So moving into actually capturing your audio, Raj also asked, so no reds and yellow. Keep it yeah. to the green. Maybe a little bit of yellow when you're really excited and talk about something really loudly. Maybe a little bit of yellow there, but but you should never have red because red means clipping. And the end clipping is like the place you can never come back from. So we can always amplify up lower volume, but you can never recover something that's clipped. Yep. Nice. Also in the chat, Brian mentioned capturing multiple recordings of each episode, both from his side and any co-host side. From your experience, how many recordings do you typically capture for each of your episodes? Brian's at three. Yep. So for my podcast, we use Zoom to call and record with the built-in Zoom feature. And, and with, I should clarify, within Zoom, there's a parameter in the settings area to record uh, each person on their own track. That's off by default. I don't know why. Turn that on before you do your first recording if you're going to use Zoom. So we use Zoom just basically to call, and we have the recording there as backup. But then we both record locally with QuickTime. So I don't use anything like Squadcast or Zencast or something like that. But, but it's because I have a co-host. It's not because, you know, if I was calling a different person every week as like a guest show, I would have a more streamlined solution. But because I'm talking to the same person every week, we both use QuickTime. We try to re click record at about the same time. And then it's on, uh, you know, us and editing later to, to line those tracks up. The nice thing about a tool like Zencaster or Squadcast or even Zoom is that they record at the same time. And hypothetically, the recordings are exactly lined up all the time. So I used to. Yep. Too. And any backup recordings using any other softwares? No, no, I've never had both fail me. Yeah. Nice. So moving on from the actual gear and recording questions, Brian also asked if you can speak to the potential or uh, about future premium or paid subscription options within Castos. Yeah, we'd love to. This is a really exciting thing for us for a lot of reasons, but I think the most is because this is kind of where we see a lot of the industry going. So as an example or a data point, um, the Chinese podcasting market is many, many, many times the size of the American podcasting market, and it is almost all paid. So it's just a different model. But we see this moving there. You know, Folks like Tim Ferriss have moved to donations or memberships as opposed to sponsorship for his monetization method. And you know, we're seeing some other people entering the market that are doing only this kind of technology. And so for folks who, who aren't familiar with what we're at Castos calling premium podcasting, think of it like a membership site for podcasting. So you'll have the ability to charge for access to any or all of your podcast content. And, you know, so like an example of this is maybe folks are using Patreon. They do something like this and, but you'll be able to do this from right within Castos to where you say, okay, this episode is kind of part of the paid thing and you can charge people $5 or $10 a month to get access to a, a unique feed for that subscriber for your show to be able to access this premium content. And, and the way that I think most people will use this is one of two ways. One is they will charge for all of their content 
that's cool. Another way I can see it is kind of like a freemium thing where, so you have four episodes in a month, three of them are free. And the fourth one is kind of the premium one. And then there would be a separate feed that people would subscribe to. It gets added to your podcasting app, like Overcast or I, you know, the Apple podcasting app, and they would pay whatever you decide to have access to that premium content. In terms of time, I won't even guess when we'll have this out. It's, it's actually technically a, a really difficult thing to, to get exactly right and really be a great experience for both you and for your subscribers. I will be very happy if we get it out this year, and that is definitely the goal. And I will under-promise on when other than that, other than, uh, yeah, we'll have this out this year. But above that, I can't say anymore, but it is definitely coming. And as we work on that solution, both JD and Brian are using member press and to your point, Patreon as well to, to handle this for now. Yep. Yeah. WordPress has a lot of solutions around this. The way that we are planning on taking this is making it a very mobile first solution. So I think using member press or even using Patreon, I can imagine I'm not using them before. It's something like you go on your computer and you do it and then it gives you RSS feed and you open that on your phone. We're going to be doing things like Apple Pay and Android, Google Pay. You know, basically put your thumb on the, the button of your phone. It subscribes you to this, add it to your podcasting app, and that's it. So this is the vision of what we have, which is why it's going to take a bit of time. Awesome. Exciting stuff. So Johnny had a question about promoting your podcast. So he said, how do I promote the podcast once you get your show together? Or do you have a small niche of followers now, and then you want to expand to a bigger audience? How do you go about doing that? Yeah. So I think, Johnny, without knowing more about kind of specifically kind of where you're coming from, what your existing audience and your connection with them looks like, I would say to kind of start with what you know and start with your crew, right? So you have an audience, even a small audience and, and kind of a loyal group of folks that, that like what you do and they know you and your community or in your group and start with them as really like really strong advocates. And we think of this kind of like as guerrilla marketing. So your, your initial cohort of advocates are the ones that are really going to get out and start expanding the reach of your show, telling their friends about it, helping kind of in your communities. And that's the best way we've seen is to identify whatever, a handful, a couple dozen people that you think really can help you market your show and then have them go out and be champions for your podcast. In terms of communication styles, the best way to reach your audience is the way you're already reaching your audience and just doing more of it. So for some people, that's social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. For some people, that's email. From some people, that's you know forums that they're in and things like that. Some people, that's in-person events. Speaking of in-person events, the coolest one that I heard recently was if you're at you know like a cocktail party or a social event, business meeting or something, ask to borrow people's phone and subscribe them to your podcast. <laughs> so you say, hey, can I borrow your phone? I'll subscribe you to my podcast right now so you get every episode downloaded you know automatically. So some people might think that's a little weird, uh, but I mean, that's really what you want people to do. And the call to action is always to subscribe so that they get every episode automatically, not like, hey, check out my podcast this week. And to do all of that, I think the best way to do it is to send people back to your website. So the home for your podcast is your website. It's not iTunes. That's the place they subscribe. But the place you should tell them to go is a place on your website that gives them instructions about how to subscribe to your podcast. I hope that was helpful, Johnny. If you have any like follow-up questions, feel free to hop in the chat and yes. kind of clarify or expand um, on that. So moving back to the product, we have some more Castos-specific questions. So Raj is asking, what's the best file format and value settings to upload to Castos? Yep. So a point of clarification, at Castos, we do not alter the file that you upload. So Raj's question is a really good one. Some hosting providers will kind of standardize the file to a certain type of file and bitrate and things like that. 
we send the file to your listeners exactly like you upload it to Castos. The best format and settings, I believe, is to upload an MP3 file at 128 kilobits per second. That's the bit rate that you would export things in your editing tool. So that's what I do. I think that's a pretty commonly accepted like industry standard. And the the balance there is you can upload, you know, a wave file that's huge, right? It's like 10 megabytes per minute, but then it takes people a long time to download that file. If they're streaming it, you know, they don't have a great internet connection, it might buffer too much. But then counter that with if you have a really low quality audio file, it would be a very small file for people to download, but then it would sound bad or not sound as good as it could. So an MP3 file at 128 kilobits per second is going to sound really good for spoken audio. For for things like music, they might use a little higher quality audio file just because there's a little more to the sound there. But for spoken audio, MP3 128 kbps is great. And if we ever do or did standardize files in Castos, that's what we would do. Great. So David's looking for a little bit more clarity between Castos and using seriously simple podcasting, um, whether he should be using both or only one. And we can, David, we can follow up with a link to our documentation on this as well afterwards, but throwing it to correct answer now. Yep. Yeah, for sure. David, if you have after we're done with this, if you still have more specific questions, please just send us an email, hello at castos.com with any kind of specific issues that you're running into. We'd love to, to chat more about this. But I think generally this brings up a, a really good point and one that we try to answer really well, but maybe there's some confusion out there of the difference between Castos and Seriously Simple Podcasting. And for folks who are kind of just getting into to this world, Castos is a hosting platform. Serious Assemble Podcasting is a WordPress plugin. And when you use the two together, what happens is you use Seriously Simple Podcasting and WordPress to manage the content of your podcast. So creating new episodes, managing the feed, adding new episodes. And when you go to add a new episode with WordPress and Serious Assemble Podcasting and upload that file, that file is uploaded to the Castos platform, and that is the place where your files are delivered from. If you're using Seriously Simple Podcasting in WordPress, your RSS feed comes from your WordPress site. So the place that things like places like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, go to look for your podcast is your website. So I think there's some intrinsic SEO value there, but the files are hosted on Castos. And so David, when you're talking about like adding new episodes, and even new podcasts. And I'll, I'll try to you know clarify the difference between those. We use the term podcast for like the umbrella of the thing that a bunch of episodes lives under. And within a podcast or a show, there are episodes. And so when you're looking to either create a new show or podcast, in Seriously Simple Podcasting, we call those series. So you want to add a new series. That's like a whole new podcast. It has its own RSS feed and everything. And then within that, you add a new episode. And in WordPress... And in Series Simple Podcasting, you can do that by the, the default podcast post type that we create. So in your WordPress, you go over to podcast on the left and say add new episode. That's the default way. You can also enable to, to publish those as new posts if you've enabled that. And that's in the, the general settings area in WordPress. So generally, I would say if you're using Seriously Simple Podcasting in WordPress, you always want to add new content from your WordPress site. And that gets pushed up to Castos. Because the opposite is not true. If you have your WordPress site integrated with Castos and, and you try to publish an episode or a podcast in Castos, we do not push that back down to your WordPress site. And the reason is we, we just don't want to publish stuff to your website because 
we just don't think that should <laughs> that should how it, how it should go. So the nexus or the origin of your podcast, if you're using WordPress, should always be in WordPress. Nice. So we also have two questions about our YouTube republishing features. Really looking for what are the benefits of posting your podcast on YouTube? And then how does it work to go about upgrading your, your subscription from the $19 tier into the, the tier above so you could republish your episodes to YouTube? Yep. So the whole kind of point with YouTube republishing is to, to put your podcast in more places, have a bigger kind of digital footprint for your show and have more places for people to listen to it. So it may surprise you. It surprised me the first time I heard about it. And now I hear about it all the time that people love listening to podcasts on YouTube. You know, maybe like they can't listen on their phone at work or something, but YouTube is unblocked at their work environment and they can listen to podcasts on YouTube. YouTube is a massive search engine, right? It's owned by Google. And so the point of YouTube republishing is to repurpose your content from just audio into video format and for, for it to be on, like Brian is saying, the second biggest search engine online, just behind Google itself. So that's kind of why we have YouTube republishing. And what it is, is it takes your audio file that you've uploaded to Castos, converts it to a video file with a, a static background image that you were able to, to select and upload when you're setting it up. And then it publishes that video file to the YouTube channel and playlist of your choice. So you select all of these things and do a one-time integration with your YouTube channel when you have enabled this in your Castos account. And Brian, the, the place to find this is in your Castos dashboard, go to integrations and you'll see YouTube republishing and then you can opt into this and it will change the, the subscription for you in Castos. And there's a slight upcharge for that on a monthly basis that we then incorporate into your, your monthly bill. And then every time you publish a new episode, it goes straight to YouTube. Great. So Jeffrey had a question about his RSS feed and uploading into iTunes. He's having an error. Can you run through some of the common issues that you might run into as you try to publish your RSS feed to iTunes? Yep. So in order from what we see in uh, support and in just you know podcasting and, and helping people with podcasts for a long time, the most common issue is that the image that you've uploaded is the wrong size. So iTunes is really, really specific about this. They require the image to be between 1400 by 1400 pixels and 3000 by 3000 pixels and perfectly square to the pixel. And a pixel is like a, whatever, like the digital version of an inch. And in like a JPEG or PNG format. That's the most common. The second most common is that you have an RSS feed that doesn't have any episodes in it. So for an RSS feed to be considered valid, you have to have all of this kind of meta information like the title and the description and the image and the categories and the author. But you also have to have at least one episode in the feed. And so when people go to like submit their podcast to Apple Podcast and they have a podcast because they've set up all that meta information, but they don't have the feed, the episodes in the feed, then obviously, you know, the feed, the feed will fail. If you're having trouble with Apple accepting your podcast, definitely send us a message. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey will try to grab these RSS feeds and check them out for you. But the two tools that we use internally when we're troubleshooting feeds for, for customers is castfeedvalidator.com. And I'll type these into chat and Podbase. These both give slightly different information. I just entered the two links to these two tools in the chat here. If anybody wants to check them out, Jeffrey, if you're so, so go to both of these tools and enter the feed that you have. And it's like a diagnostic tool. It'll give you information about what's going well with your feed and what maybe isn't right that they could be giving something like Apple podcast issues. You know, that's, that's what I would say is go, go check out these, both these tools, enter your RSS feed. It will give you information. Then you can go back and troubleshoot kind of what those diagnostics are saying. 
And Jeffrey, if you still have questions after that, please shoot us a message. Hello at castos.com and we'll, we'll get you squared away. Awesome. So kind of switching gears again, thinking about podcasting in general, Matt had a question. He feels like he's spending too long editing. Is there a good episode length or editing time ratio, or is that not really a good way to look at it? That's a really interesting and kind of like 201, like second level question, I think. It depends. And I sound like an accountant when I say that, but it depends a little bit, right? So I think that there's a style decision you have to make, Matt, to say like, do I want to sound like Guy Raz and NPR or Gimlet, or do you want to sound like you're having a conversation with a friend or a colleague or, you know, somebody as a guest on your podcast? And it sound, you know, kind of like a conversation like this or a conversation you would have over a cup of coffee. Personally, I go towards that side of things because I don't want to spend a ton of time in post-production. I also think like we were talking about at the very beginning, like there's this minimum bar that you have to get above in terms of sound quality. And that's really not terribly difficult to get to. And then everything over there has like diminishing returns. I think if you're talking about the growth and success of your show, if you want it to just sound good, then yeah, I mean, you could spend forever on this stuff. But if you want to make your podcast sound good enough to where people won't stop listening, then I think it it shouldn't be that much time. And, And the ratio is actually a really good point. I typically spend about two times the duration of the show on editing. So if it's a 30 minute show, the whole editing process takes me about an hour and I'm typically like multitasking. So I'll have audacity running and I'll be listening to the podcast and then I'll hear like a weird transition or an um or a misspeaking and I'll stop doing email (laughs) or looking at Facebook or something like that. And I'll go into audacity, pause and go clip that thing out and then restart it and run it from there. So it takes me about an hour to edit a 30 minute show, but I'm doing other stuff at the time and just have like an ear out for for what's going in the episode. I hope that's helpful, Matt. But if not, you know, chime in in, in the, the chat here and kind of clarify, or we can dig into that more. The other thing I would say with this is people use like markers when they're recording. So if you're using a tool like Adobe Audition, I know specifically has this like concept of markers. So if you're recording something in Adobe Audition and at 32 minutes and 12 seconds, you realize you said something that was really silly, there's a keyboard shortcut that can go in. And then, you know, when you're going back to edit, if you're really diligent about it, your markers, you can only edit those things. And you might not have to listen to the whole thing, the whole hour long episode or something like that. I know folks like John Lee Dumas, he does this and cuts down on his you know, editing time a lot. So, and Brian's kind of echoing that. So yeah, and there's a whole lot of ways to slice this, but that's kind of my short version. Nice. Naoko had a question again about gear, asking if the Zoom H6 was worth the money or would a less expensive, more traditional mixer work just as well? Yep. I think if you're using an XLR connection, I think the Zoom H6 is a really good solution. Yep. It is more expensive. I, I think it's a, a few hundred dollars than something like a Scarlett Focusrite, which is a preamp that like an XLR mic would plug into, and then the Focusrite would plug into your computer. The nice thing about the Zoom H6 is it's not your computer. <laughs> so if you're on the go or you want to you know, podcast somewhere where you don't have your computer or something like that, then that's that's really great. I kind of would worry that I don't have as much kind of visualization and control over what is going into the recording device if I'm using a little handheld thing, but I might just be like old school and paranoid. But, but yeah, I mean, I think if you if you don't have something already and you think you'll be on the go or you want to plug multiple mics into one recording device, then the Zoom H6 would be good because I think, you know, like the six mentions, they, they could have like up to six inputs. And there, there's a lot of ways to do this, but yeah, I, I think it, it'd be, it's worth a try. I don't think it's better or worse than anything else, though. Right. Let's see. Um, David's curious if we've talked about lefts yet. 
loudness unit full scale. I think that is kind of like the volume at which you want to export your file. Yep. Okay. So Brian is saying in the chat here, minus 16 LUFs, LUFs is the standard. Yep. I That's great. He also mentioned standards, a loose term. <laughs> okay. And I think the what the the kind of spirit of what we're talking about here is like at what volume should you publish your podcast episodes so that like for when someone's transferring from one episode to another or one podcast to yours, it sounds about the same volume. Um, yeah, and Ophonic, yeah, it's a really cool tool. Nice. Yeah, I'll expand on that a little bit. Ophonic is Ophonic is a tool that you would upload like the finished edited audio file to, and it kind of standardizes a lot of things like noise and like volume and leveling and things like that. It does all this programmatically. So you just upload the file, push the go button, and it does all this stuff to your audio file to kind of standardize it and clean it up a little bit from uh, from like an EQ perspective. But it doesn't do things like editing, like cutting pieces out. <laughs> uh, Matt, we agree. These are some smart Brian's here. <laughs> they are. They are. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's fair to say, like, don't don't be intimidated by the Brian's that have maybe been doing this a long time and have all these tools. I think this is uh, this like a, a, a platform like this is a really great way for folks who are just getting started to get exposed to some of these ideas and tools, and yeah, make us all better podcasters. I certainly have learned about Luffs today, and I haven't used uh, Ophonic in years, but but maybe we'll go back to it because um, it's a really cool tool. Reading through the questions, Denise, is there any other questions that? Uh, what is the source of that program? Uh, Ophonic, A-U-P-H-O-N-I-C, I think. Yep, ophonic.com is a really cool tool. Yeah, Jeffrey. The Roadcaster Pro, any opinions? Uh, yes, I've used it at a conference recently, and it's great. So the, the Roadcaster Pro is podcast recording and mixer all in one, kind of one set of tools, and is really great. So especially if you're doing like a multi-podcast, multi-channel recording in person, I think it's a really cool solution. Yep. Rode is a really, really high quality microphone company that's that's really gearing towards the podcasting space. So I, I, I think that their mics are all really good. And Matt just jumped in to ask more about our Castos Analytics dashboard, how we can read deeper into the analytics. Yep. So I'll talk about kind of what we have. And then Matt, if you have any like clarifications about what you're looking for that you're not seeing, that would maybe be helpful if you could pop in the chat and ask kind of specifically what you're looking for. But in the Castos Analytics, we have things like total listens for your podcast as a whole. That's the first kind of graph that you come to. Uh, and then we break that down by episodes. We have a list of like top episodes and you can filter that alphabetically or by published date or by total listens. And then from there, we go into things like listening sources, apps, and browsers and operating systems, so to see where people are listening. And then from there, we give you Spotify analytics. If your podcast is on Spotify, we tell you how many listeners you've had specifically on Spotify. And the difference there, and the reason we don't give all of that in one place is Spotify actually takes the file from Castos and it lives in their little world, and then they distribute that file out to your listeners. All of the other platforms like Apple and Stitcher and Google Podcasts, just take the file via the RSS feed and distribute the file from Castos right to your listeners. Spotify is the only one that takes the file one time from Castos. And it's not just Castos. This is how they do it for everybody. They take the file one time from Castos and they ingest it and they distribute their own version of your file to, to your listeners. So if we were to have Spotify analytics and Castos, it would only ever show one listen per episode because they only get the file from us once. 
Yep. And then we give geographic distribution. So by country and by kind of metropolitan area of where people are listening. So if you click on the country, then it will pop up this big kind of pie chart of the, the geographic areas within that country. And if you scroll down to the bottom of that area, the default view is listens for your podcast, your podcast as a whole by country. And if you have clicked on any of the countries in the map above, it shows kind of ranking by, by metropolitan area. And Raj was asking if there's a way to remove your own listening sessions to the totals from the totals given. No, sorry, Raj, short answer. <laughs> and Matt asked that seems some days they get dozens or even hundreds of downloads and then others they were only seeing two. It seems to be a little bit random from his end. Should he be concerned or is that not a big deal? Matt, if you would shoot us an email, just hello at castles.com. I'd love to look at this in depth. I don't believe it's a reason to be concerned. It is kind of the way things go sometimes in podcasting. You know, typically you have a big spike on release day and it kind of dwindles down after that. And it is not a consistent number every day, I found. But if you're seeing big jumps up and down that, that seem kind of random, let us know. And, and we'll I'll add our further. support email uh, to your thread, Matt, as well. Let's see. Uh, JD was asking about phone interviews. How do you handle that setup? I don't do them. Yeah, I. that's really tough. I mean, phone just isn't conducive to having like a microphone. So if you have to do a phone interview, I would ask to call someone on their cell phone and have them use like an Apple earbud or something. They actually sound pretty decent. So if you can do that, JD, then I think you're you're getting most of the way there. But what you don't want to do is like ha call someone on their landline and have them turn on speakerphone or something that would pick up everything in the world. But yeah, if you call someone on their cell phone and they're stationary in a good environment on Apple earbuds, you might be surprised at how, how decent that sounds. I hate, to see, I hate to say like how decent that sounds, but I wouldn't go expecting a whole lot from this. And and I, if you guys do a whole lot of those, then then you already know the, the pain around that, but it's just not the most ideal. So Brian says, use Zoom. Yep, that would work as a recording tool. Yeah, you could have someone call into a Zoom call from their phone because Zoom has like dial-in numbers where you don't have to be in the browser. Roger, yes, this will be recorded. You'll get an email shortly after we finish up here in a few minutes with a link to the recording. Yep. And we're going to be doing these every week. This is uh, an experiment, <laughs> to be honest, as we're going to see how well they go, how much people like them. So yeah, we'll be having another one next week, next Wednesday or Thursday, and you'll get an email about that uh, here shortly with a link to register for the next webinar. But yeah, Roger, this will definitely be available for replay later, and you'll get an email with that link. Denise, I think that is about all of the questions that I see left here. I just want to say thank you to everybody for, for coming out, coming on online today and, and chatting with us. It's great to, to get people's questions and hear about kind of what is going good for you and what you're wondering more about and see how we can help. For folks who you know want to learn more, if you haven't already, you know, castos.com, check out. We have a ton of great information in our blog. And if you have any questions at all, just shoot us a message. Hello at castos.com. This will be recorded, uh, as we mentioned, for folks who kind of came on late or missed part of it, had to step out. You'll get an email if you registered for this event and are here. You'll get uh, an email here shortly with a link to the recording. And we'll be doing this again very shortly. So be on the lookout for an email in your inbox with a link to the registration for the next webinar, which will be next week. And yeah, with that, I think we will wrap it up. Again, thank you to everybody who came on today and asked questions and for the Bryans who uh, imparted all their awesome knowledge. And if we can do anything else to help, just shoot us a message. And thanks so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Podcast Hackers. If you liked what you heard today, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. 
This goes a long way towards helping spread the word about the show to other podcasters just like you. Until next time, happy podcasting!